2: NFL Fantasy Live here on Series 210, XM87. It is all Tebow, all the time. The number is 888-963-2682. That is 888-XM-Fantasy. Jason Smith alongside Elliot Harrison and Michael Fabiano from the NFL Network and NFL.com, helping you set your lineups, answer all your trade questions, tell you who to pick up, who to bench, coming up over the next hour of the show. But Elliot, some big news today in the NFL that goes fantasy-wise. We've got Carson Palmer, we got Tim Tebow, got a lot to get to. No better guy to welcome. Then NFL.com senior writer Steve Weiss. Steve joins us on the show every Sunday on Red Zone Channel. Also joins us a couple times a week, really. We do our show for NFL.com, NFL Network. He's going to be joining us in a couple of seconds. But first, let's get to Carson Palmer here, Elliot, because, you know, people see Carson Palmer, and I think they fall in love with the idea of Carson Palmer. Right, you know, talk about starting, and we talked about this last hour. You and Fabbs talked about starting. I want to wait because. Carson Palmer still, just by just by putting that Raider jersey on, isn't suddenly going to become a star again. His his best fantasy days are behind him. I think we see Carson Palmer. But remember, this is a guy who was great in 05, and then now he's more a guy that has the strong arm. He's capable of a big game now and then. But really, he, he's a great two-minute quarterback. That's really what, what he's become the last couple of years. I'm not that sold on Carson Palmer.
3: and And I understand that. And, you know, everyone always points back to the knee injury he had against the Steelers in the wild-card game. Uh, in 05 and said he wasn't the same but that's actually not true in 06 he had another monster season then he had an elbow problem and ever since that elbow problem he just never seemed like the same quarterback in the last couple of years in Cincinnati they had trouble getting the ball down the field now whether that was the play calling whether that was the receivers they had especially in 09 the year they made the playoffs they I think they completed 11 balls the whole year of over 25 yards that's a concern and the Raiders' lack of weapons are concerned. Yes, Darius hayward Bay has been a nice sleeper, and people have been surprised. But at the end of the day, Darius hayward Bay is not a top 15 fantasy receiver, at least not in my book. I understand your concern about Carson Palmer is the point.
2: Yeah, too much too much cornhole, Carson Palmer. Think that, elbow? You only have so many underhand tosses before. But uh, for more on Carson Palmer, Steve Weiss is set to join us right now. Steve, we heard earlier today that the Raiders plan to start Carson Palmer on Sunday. What do you see from him in his first game against the Chiefs?
4: going to be very interesting. I mean, he hasn't played a game since January 2nd. Now, I don't think it's necessarily the looks or things he can break down on film that can be problematic, but he hasn't been hit. And they're not going to hit him in practice. How is he going to respond the first time You know, he takes a couple shots? Because it'll happen. I think if he gets through that part, he'll, he'll be okay. They're not going to do anything too diverse for him. They're going to hand it off to Darren McFadden, toss it to Darren McFadden, and then do some play-action passing off of that So I think he'll be okay, but you just have to kind of wonder. I mean, your your first game back after nine months, there's no preseason. He's coming back right in the middle of a guts of a season when the Raiders now have expectations after their 4-2 start. How is he going to be able to compartmentalize everything that goes with that?
2: All right, Steve. Now, we've seen Darius Hayward-Bay the last couple of weeks become the guy they drafted him to be a couple of years ago. Jacoby Ford is back. He's a deep threat, scored on a kickoff return. Lewis Murphy is coming back. Kevin Boss, a tight end. Who do you think, judging by how you've seen Carson Palmer's career, who's he going to look to, at least initially in this offense, to be guys that are going to be his security blankets?
4: Yeah, I think Darius Hayward-Bay. And part of that, and I was speaking to Darius Hayward-Bay after the Raiders win at Houston. And he said before, the first couple of years that he was there, especially with Jamarcus Russell, and then when they were transitioning, they were using so many max protections that they do a lot of two-receiver routes. So it was it was easy for defenses just to zone them up and have high-low over-under bracket coverages. Well, now he says because the offensive line is better, he's getting open a lot more because they're doing a lot of three and four receiver routes, and they're hitting open downfield. And the one thing that they will have Carson Palmer do is just throw it up there he almost in pop fly like form because Hayward Bay's got the speed to chase it down. So I think you are going to see Hayward Bay be a deep target. I don't think they're going to make Palmer do a lot of out routes or timing routes or things like that. But I think, do think they will have him throw the deep ball.
3: Well, Steve, I'm really glad that you came on, and I, I got to tell you, I, I just want you to know that I'm not wearing that really bad earth tone suit with the saddle. Why shorts. is it
4: always, Why is it always a wardrobe? You always have some type of wardrobe.
3: I just conversation, man. I just I sometimes I stand next to you, you're always so well put together and I always just feel inferior. So I, I wanted to bring that up, but I also wanted to ask you how you think Brandon Lloyd's gonna look in his new wardrobe, his new digs in Saint Louis. Uh, I loved the acquisition for the Rams. How do you feel
4: about it? Well it's about time they got somebody there who gives Sam Bradford, you know, an option. You know, he hasn't really had a receiver there that can help him out. Now they got a guy who can go deep, who can run all the route trees, short, intermediate. So if he can get his timing together, Sam Bradford's gonna play through that ankle injury. So he's gonna be throwing a lot of passes with his arm and not necessarily stepping into it. So I think they're again they're gonna go deep routes because if they gotta do timing routes and things like that. Bradford not, might not be able to put the spin on it like normal and could be prone to make some turnovers. I think Brandon Lloyd is going to be fine because of Josh McDaniels. He's going back to McDaniels, where he flourished in Denver. He knows the scheme. It won't take him too too long to pick things up. And Sam Bradford's going to look around and say, "Oh my gosh, these other guys who've been dropping passes and doing nothing for me. Now I've got another another chance to another potential playmaker here. I'm going to him because I don't really trust these other guys too much."
3: Right. You, you referenced Bradford stepping into the throws and having trouble to, trouble doing that with his injury. I want to take a step back here and go back to Palmer for a second. It seemed like everyone, and I just mentioned this before we had you on, that it, everyone always referenced the knee injury that he had in the wild card game against Pittsburgh as affecting his play. But the next year he came back and had a monster season in 2006. I always felt like the elbow injury wasn't talked about enough. Have you seen anything the last couple of years – in Palmer's the way he plays to make you think that he's just not the same guy physically that he was in 05, 06?
4: Yeah, you know, for this is a two-parter because I don't think he was able to get the ball downfield like he was. I mean, I remember covering games when they had that trio of Ocho Cinco back when he was Chad Johnson, Chris Henry, and TJ Husmandada, and I mean, it, that was a vertical assault. They went deep, especially to Chris Henry. But you know the last couple of years, especially at the elbow, he hasn't really hit it. Now, part of that was because T.O. and then Chad Ocho they weren't running the routes properly. I've talked to enough people in that organization who said that the depth, yeah, it could be a seven-yard route and they'd run it at nine. It'd be a five-yard route and they'd run it at seven. So there was communication issues there. Now, one thing I think that should be promising is that when those guys were gone at the end of the season, they're playing Jerome Simpson. And, and, you know, Gresham was, was there. Cool. They looked good. Yeah. I mean, Palmer threw the ball well to those guys. Those guys were faster uh, and a little bit more adept than T.O. and Ocho Cinco. So I think with the right guys in there, maybe it's a mental thing with him. He, he could be okay.
3: Yeah, they they played the Chargers. I remember late last year pretty much knocked the Chargers out of the playoff race. Without Ocho Cinco, without Terrell Owens, and Palmer had maybe his best performance of the season. One last thing on on Palmer, you know, you referenced how vertical they were back in those his salad days, so to speak. Uh, you know, Hugh Jackson was receivers coach there. Do you yeah. think that plays into anything going forward, and can fantasy owners play Paul Palmer with confidence?
4: Oh, I think I think it plays into a lot. I mean, we heard Hugh Jackson say at the news conference, "I know a guy who can do what I want to do, and that's Carson Palmer." I mean, it better, it better play out. They gave up potentially two first-round draft picks for him. If this doesn't work out, then you're looking at a whole Jamarcus Russell scenario, again, in terms of the, of the Raiders bankrupting their draft for a quarterback. That might not work out. But absolutely, Hugh Jackson knows how to communicate with Carson Palmer. He knows how that Carson Palmer knows that he will have the receivers on the same page as him. So I think that kind of two-door, that two-way-door trust that's going on between Coach and quarterback could be very important as this goes along. Again, I don't expect Carson Palmer to necessarily come out like gangbusters, but three or four weeks now when this playoff race really starts to take shape, I think that relationship will really be a factor.
2: It's NFL Fantasy Live on Sirius 210 XM87 from the NFL Network NFL.com Jason Smith alongside Elliot Harrison and Michael Fabiano joined by NFL.com senior writer Steve Weish. and Steve uh, we actually we, we got a bolt in here. Our bosses came in and said we've actually gone five minutes and not mentioned Tim Tebow's name so the obligatory Tim Tebow conversation <laughs> has to take place now. We're going to get docked in our pay but you know here's a guy who's got a great matchup this week against the Miami Dolphins and there's been a lot of attention about Tebow. What kind of week do you you see for Tebow here in Miami?
4: You know, this will be interesting because also Demarius Bebe Thomas, the wide receiver, is coming back. You know, he's a big target who's very motivated. I don't know if, if Tebow's going to come out and, and put up the monster points, but if Denver's going to get in scoring position, I think he gets them into the end zone because he does possess that run-pass threat, and now he's got a very big, you know, like a 6'4", 220-pound red zone threat in Denarius Thomas, who he can lock to do so. He's going to have options down there. So we're talking fantasy football. Because he's playing a bad team, and this is pretty much going to be a Denver Broncos home game. Remember, this is the University of Florida <laughs> homecoming game down there in Miami. So there's going to be a lot of Florida, Tebow, and Broncos fans there. He's got the potential to have a, a pretty decent game if he can get Denver into that red zone.
3: You know, Steve, uh, with it being the bye weeks, a lot of fantasy owners out there are having to play guys they normally wouldn't play in their flex spot and at their, their second running back slot. And obviously, we saw Ronnie Brown get traded. Uh, Michael Fabiano and I were talking earlier that we don't see a lot of uh, value for Ronnie Brown right now. Are we seeing this wrong?
4: No, not, I mean, Detroit, I mean, clearly they're having problems running the ball anyway. They needed help. You see, at Best has a concussion he sat out practice today so they're checking him out but you know, Lonnie Brown might be able to come in and you know play five to ten plays maybe catch some swing passes and do some things but he's not the guy that uh, you're going to look for the Lions uh, for the Lions to go to this week against Atlanta if you're, if you're looking for someone I think is going to be a really safe play I, I think Brandon Pettigrew the tight end I mean the, the tight ends have given the Falcons some problems there's some matchup issues Plus, Megatron is going to be going up against about a 5'7", five, 5'8", five, corner, and Brent Grimes. Those are going to be the players who are going to be getting the ball for the Lions this week.
3: Well, thank goodness I'm 5'9", because 5'8", is really short. But, you know,
4: <laughs> Steve, over the... But well, Brent over... Grimes does, well, Grime does have a nice tan suit, Elliot. Yes. <laughs> he can borrow, he can, and if he doesn't, he can borrow yours.
3: And he can, like, jump over my head. That guy's leaping ability is... Yeah, he's that's a special athlete right We're... there. Ridiculous, But, you know, over the summer when we were doing a lot of videos, I always like to just throw a random name at you. And uh, I'm going to throw a random name at you, and I, I want you to give us a crystal ball. Does this guy have a lot of value in the long term, back half of the schedule? DeMarco Murray in Dallas, what do you think?
4: No, not really. I mean, I think he's someone whose carries will will be increased. But they, they're still trying to figure out what to do with him. And at this point of the season, if you're a rookie running back and you're really a good player – they figured it out. I mean, you, you, you know what you want. So, you know, I still think, you know, Tashara Choice and Felix Jones, you though Felix Jones is nicked up. You know, DeMarco Murray, his touchdowns may, may increase, but I just don't know how productive he necessarily can be. Unless they can get him involved in the passing game. And that's one thing I haven't seen out of the Cowboys enough this year, is throwing the ball to their running backs. And Felix Jones, Tashar Choice, and DeMarco Murray are all good receivers but they continue to go more downfield or to do things with their tight end instead of using those players as options. So I think Jason Garrett, if he's a little scared about Tony Romo throwing the ball up the field, play it safe. Get it to those guys in space, even if it's in the backfield, and then maybe someone like DeMarco Murray could have some impact. But as of right now, I don't, I don't see him having uh, any, any huge sizable game.
3: Right. Well, you referenced the, the plays in the passing game last year when they got the big win in New York. They had a 90-yard screen pass to to Felix Jones, and that, that used to be a big part of their offense. But, Steve, you know, Cowboy fans must have been shocked when they saw that Felix Jones was nicked up.
4: <laughs> yeah, I'm sure it was a huge surprise. I mean, it's never happened before. He's an Iron Man, you know. <laughs>
3: Hey Steve, uh, let's
2: get your uh, quarterback take on here. Uh, two big changes in the last 24 hours. And Mike Shanahan announced that they're going to John Beck. I don't think that's going to be a big switcheroo and suddenly Rex Grossman will be under center on Sunday. So you get John Beck in Washington and you get the Minnesota Vikings turning to Christian Ponder instead of Donovan McNabb in Minnesota. Which move do you think is going to be a better move for that team's offense? Well,
4: I mean I've, I've got to say John Beck in Washington just because the one thing that Rex Grossman did that hurt that offense was he turned the ball over. So we don't know if if Beck is, is has prized more value on the ball. We'll we'll see. But I think the fact that he can run with it a little bit more it, it, it diversifies things with their offense. You know the the thing with with Christian Ponder and it's it's something that hurt that hurt Donovan McNabb is the Vikings just don't have the weapons to really help out a quarterback. You know for you know Sanko he doesn't look like how he used to look. Their wide receivers, other than Percy Harvin, are just really ordinary pedestrian-type players. And even though you can say that about the Redskins, they've got Fred Davis, who's an emerging tight end, who's really a good player. They've got Santana Moss, who can still hit it downfield a little bit. So, you know, to me, the Redskins' receiving core can protect Beck a little bit better than what Ponder's going to have to deal with. And what a way for him to make his debut against the Green Bay Packers, because that Packers' defense, Looks like it's finally starting to figure some things out
2: as well. NFL.com senior writer Steve Weiss. See him on NFL Fantasy Live with us on Sundays and Tuesdays, Steve. Thanks a lot. Be well. We'll enjoy the games this weekend.
3: You got it, guys. Thanks a lot, Steve.
2: Now, Elliot, Here's here's the reason I'm nervous about John Beck. We always talk about reality meeting fantasy. John Beck must have been awful to lose this job to Rex Grossman in the preseason. It was his job, and he had a couple of nice games, but to lose, I mean, this wasn't like, boy, it's close, and I'm going to go with Rex Grossman. Beck, obviously, is a guy who can give you more of a future because we know Rex Grossman, his best days were in 2005. He must have been awful, and this is a desperation move because Rex Grossman can't stop throwing the football to the other team. I don't know that suddenly John Beck's going to come in and say, boy, this guy's great, now he's getting his chance because
3: of how he lost the job early on. Well, and... and you know, to Steve's point, you you kind of put his feet to the fire. Which which guy do you like better? If you're in a really deep league, if you're in a 12 or 14 team league, and you're absolutely desperate, well, maybe roll the dice with Beck. You know, give it a shot. I mean, hopefully it doesn't come to that. But uh, I have to agree with Steve. I mean, as long as Grossman's turning turning the ball over, then then you have to you know you had to make a change there, and. I, I can see where he likes Beck better than Ponder.
2: Yeah. Well, we got to get Cam Cameron on the show and see how much he still likes John Beck. <laughs> it's NFL Fantasy Live here on Series 210 XM87. Jason Smith alongside NFL.com's Elliot Harrison, NFL.com's Senior Fantasy Editor. Michael Fabiano help you set your lineups, all the trade advice you need. Coming up over the rest of this show. Coming up next, give you some big starts and sits for wide receivers. That's coming up next your NFL Fantasy Live Series 210 XM87. And you are going to love autograph just as much as Elliot Harrison does. It's NFL Fantasy Live Series 210, XM87, Jason Smith, Elliot Harrison, Michael Fabiano from the NFL Network, and NFL.com. All the fantasy advice you need for Week 7. In the National Football League. Gonna turn things over to Michael Fabiano right now. The number one rated start sit percentage as far as experts go across the country. Last hour he gave you some big starts at quarterbacks, some big starts at running back now. Get some big starts at wide receiver and you know, Fabs, one thing, Pierre Garcon, we just heard the highlight right there. It's it boggles my mind when I go to NFL.com and see that he is started in less than fifty percent of leagues.
1: Yeah, that's just it's crazy. nuts. The guy right now is in the top ten in fantasy points among wide receivers on NFL.com. Three big games in a row, four touchdowns total, and you've got to play him. You've got to play this guy if he's your two or if he's your three. A lot of people dropped him after the first couple of weeks because he was invisible. I mean, he had done a Houdini act with Kerry Collins there, but who knew that Curtis Painter would be the savior for Pierre Garçon's value? But I like him against the Saints. In that same game, Marcus Colston finally comes back, puts up a nice stat line. The Colts have been terrible against the pass. They've been terrible against the run. They've basically been terrible defensively. Great matchup there. Desi Bryant against the Rams. Bryant had 70-plus yards last week, didn't score a touchdown, but I expect him to have a better game against the Rams. Eric Decker, now the number one wide receiver with the Denver Broncos. Great matchup against the Dolphins. They've given up an average of more than twenty-five fantasy points per game to wide receivers. And Decker, I think, is going to continue to see targets, especially now with Lloyd and St. Louis. Darius Hayward Bates got a great matchup. Utilize him as a three. And Greg Little, who's a guy I talked about in the preseason, wait, watch, see what happens in Cleveland. Finally, he's given an opportunity to start. Sees twelve targets last week. Has a very solid game. Six catches over 70 yards. I like him against the Seahawks as a three or a flex this week.
3: You know, I have multiple things to say to that. Number one, (laughs) he's talking Eric Decker. He promised me Brooklyn Decker. Uh,
1: No, I didn't promise you. I said I would see if I can talk to her agent. And we're trying to get Brooklyn Decker on the show. I actually met Brooklyn during the preseason. Uh, She came in to tape some stuff for the Carolina Panthers. She is every bit as beautiful in person. I'll tell you that. But uh, she plays fantasy football. I am going to try to get her husband Andy Roddick on at some point, and I'm still working on Adam Richman. Uh, Adams Adams a tough tough guy to get in touch with. He's traveling all over the place, eating all kinds of strange and large amounts of food. Um, but we'll get him at some point. But um, yeah, I, I couldn't deliver Brooklyn, so I gave you an Eric.
3: Well, hey, that's that's you know that's one of three. The, the second thing I had for you was Black and yeah.
2: Decker. Where, where there's another no, Decker? No, I no, didn't no.
3: know that. No. You know, I listen. I work with Fabs every day. I mean, we're like we're constantly around each other, and so I I hear his fantasy advice. And it does not surprise me that he's ranked number one. But I'm curious how these rankings are done. I mean, how do we know there's not some dude with a long beard at a holistic, you know, healing house somewhere in the mountains that is a little bit more? Yeah, maybe he's better. I think the way that they
1: do it is it's on a site called uh, FantasyPros.com, and what they do is they determine the toughest matchups, player versus player every single week so maybe this week it's who do you start jackie battle or demarco murray and they go into every expert's rankings and see who ended up getting that play right so that's how it's determined by who they consider the toughest starts are week in and week out and then they look at which experts have the correct rankings at the end of the day once the games have been have been uh, concluded so it's
2: not like a guy can say don't start mark brunel and, you know, get that right. Because, I hope you know, not. It's just, there's none of that. Right, there.
1: exactly. And you know what? Like I said, I mean, there's a lot of great guys on, on this channel, a lot of great experts that I'm friends with out here. John Hansen's fantastic. Uh, Greg Rosenthal, there's there's a lot of guys. Scotty Engel, uh, great guys out there that do a heck of a job. And a lot of guys who have actually taught me because they were in the business before I was. So, um, it's you know what, it's it's a matter of the matchups and you've always got to play the matchups, especially during the bye weeks when you're looking at guys like Greg Little and Darius Hayward Bay playing prominent roles on your fantasy team.
3: Well, I want to mention one of your guys, Des Bryant versus mm-hmm. the Rams. You know, you, you talk about the numbers that he could get, I think you said seventy yards. It's amazing his fantasy production when you consider that he only does that in like a quarter and a half because he disappears for the rest yeah.
1: of the game. It, yeah, it's it's one yeah.
3: half of production for Des Bryant. It's unreal.
1: And let's hope, uh, from a fantasy perspective, and from a Cowboys fan perspective, eh, that they can turn things around and score some points this week against the Rams. I think they will. Romo, Miles Austin's in my top five at wide receiver this week. Uh, there's going to be some points put on the board there for the Pokes. Eight
2: eight eight nine six three two six eight two. The number is eight 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 xm fantasy it's nfl fantasy live on series 210 xm 87 jason smith michael fabiano elliot harrison from the nfl network and nfl.com mike in minnesota what's your question
4: yeah i've got a trade evaluation for you that's being offered to me i haven't pulled the trigger yet uh they are wanting aj green and the chargers defense for santana moss steven ridley and the cowboys defense and the caveat to it is that we get plus three points for a defensive team win and negative three for a loss.
1: Oh, I don't do that deal.
2: You're giving up AJ Green and the Chargers' defense. Yep. Ooh, I would. I wouldn't. I would. I, I would. I
1: would pass on that too. Yeah. The Chargers' defense actually isn't really good in fantasy this year. Uh, sort of mediocre. But A.J. Green's a nut. I mean, that guy's been fantastic in his rookie season. And the Cowboys defense hasn't been good either, although I like them this week against the Rams. Overall, the boys have not been a real good fantasy defense.
3: What's interesting about A.J. Green, I mean, he's in line to break all of Chris Collinsworth's uh, rookie numbers or rookie records for the Bengals. And the sky's the limit for this guy. You know, rookie wide receivers generally have the toughest transition in the NFL next to quarterbacks. I know Troy Aikman has always said that he thinks wide receiver is, is maybe the toughest position to break from college, break into the NFL from college. And A.J. Green, man, maybe we don't talk about him enough. I mean, he has hit the ground running, and I would really hesitate to trade him period. Yeah, especially since he came
2: in. Look, we we talked a lot about Julio Jones got a lot of attention. Obviously, he's banged up a little bit, but he's coming in. Things a little bit easier when the guy on the other side, oh, by the way, is Roddy White. When you come in, the other guy is Jerome Simpson. Things are a little bit harder, and he's been able to take that. Not only that, he's getting all the targets from Andy Dalton. That's a big beneficiary. Here's a new quarterback. He's looking for his new guy that's going to be his number one guy. Very surprised, A.J. Green. If you drafted A.J. Green, that's one of the top if you want to say what the best five fantasy picks overall this year have been, when you talk about value, what you're getting later on taking a chance on, A.J.
1: Green is in that top five. Yeah, definitely. Uh, and he was actually ranked in the top 35 on NFL.com in the preseason. The one thing that I was worried about was the rookie quarterback in Andy Dalton throwing him the football because A.J. Green has it. He has the tools. He is an unbelievably athletic kid who just makes plays. When he was coming out of Georgia, loved him. Uh, loved the fact that he went to the Bengals. Loved the fact that the Bengals got rid of Chad Ochesenko, didn't come back with T.O., uh, who's still recovering from an ACL. He has been given a chance, and opportunity is the biggest one of the biggest factors when we're talking about players that aren't the elite guys that you know you're going to be playing week in and week out AJ Green had a chance to become very prominent in the Bengals offense and he has run with it and guys he's at this point he's a must start as a two NFL Fantasy Live on
2: Sirius 210 XM 87 we mentioned Roddy White a couple of seconds ago Adam in Pittsburgh has a trade question that involves the former Falcons number 1 wide receiver Adam what do you got
4: I have um First off, I'm two and four, scoring over 100 points, uh, non-PPR bonus points over 100. Um, doing well, just losing every Monday night. It's driving me crazy. So um, I have Fred Jackson and Hayward Bay, and someone's offering me Roddy White and Mendenhall. And if you could keep me on, that'd be great.
2: I, I don't like That's it. That's hard. I mean, I you know you always look and say. Who's getting the best player in the deal? And unless the players going back are close to it, I
4: I, I can't
1: give what up. What other wide receivers do you have besides uh, hey Bay?
4: Gerald is really it, uh, and Reggie Wayne. And then the other problem is is this week I've uh, Felix Jones is hurt, and I have Vic and Fred Jackson on fives, and I don't want to go two and five.
1: Right. You know, I I mean. Roddy White, is he going to continue to struggle like this? Yeah. I mean, Mendenhall's coming off a good game. Really, it's really sort of a two for one because right. Hayward Bay's good, but he's he's clearly not as good as as someone like a Roddy White. Right. I I think I think I might do that deal. He, I think Fred I might Jackson do that deal. Has the
2: most fantasy points. I understand that. I
1: under I understand that, but you're also getting double production. Mendenhall, who looked good last week, great matchup against the Cardinals. Roddy White. We expect them to turn things around at some point here in the season. Hayward Bay, I, I, I like the deal. And Fred Jackson's been great. Don't get me wrong. Can he keep up this pace all year?
3: I, I don't know if he can. My, my concern He's Looking for here, a contract,
1: guys. Do crazy things
3: looking for a contract. And listen, I, we already talked about the Steelers' schedule. It's favorable. But at the same time, Rashard Mendenhall, for as good as he is, has been a little bit of an up-and-down player. And my second concern is that I think the Falcons' recipe for success, and I think they realize this playing Carolina, is to go back to running the football. Michael Turner got 27 carries. So I'm not, I'm not sure that Roddy White goes back to being a 115 catch guy. I Fred Jackson has proven something to me. He's done it week after week. We've already talked about Hayward Bay with the upside, and now they bring Carson Palmer in the mix. I, I would have to, I, me personally, I would nix the deal. All right, let me throw this at you right now. You guys have no idea what I'm going to say.
2: Who are you going to count on more to turn it around and become who they used to be? Rest of the season, Roddy White or Chris Johnson?
3: Wow. Uh, I think Roddy White because Chris Johnson has really been a concern, and I think the Titans are realizing that having Hasselbeck spread the ball around is working for them. I have or at this point, I have more trust in
1: Roddy White. I agree. I totally agree. Uh, Maybe it's the offensive line in Tennessee that's not helping the fact that uh, C.J. didn't have any training camp or preseason because of the holdout. But I think uh, unless Roddy White's injured, and I know he's been on the injury report with a knee, but he continues to play, I think it will be Roddy White. Uh, I mean, that offense has got a lot of firepower. And I don't know if they can really lean on Michael Turner a ton because he's got a lot of carries on that body over the last few years. That is very true. I still think at some point they've got, to, they've got to throw the ball a little bit more than they have been. And remember last week, no Julio Jones out there. And it was it was the game plan because of the opponent. The opponent was bad against the run. So, uh, again, I, I would do this deal because – and I have Fred Jackson on two of my teams, and he's been fantastic. But I don't think there's any guarantee that he's going to continue this all year. Hopefully he does for my sake and for the sake of fantasy owners. If you were talking about LaShawn McCoy – I, w- I probably wouldn't do the deal if it was a McFadden. I probably wouldn't do the deal because I have more faith that they're going to continue to put up big numbers week in and week out than Jackson. Um, that's my take on it. Uh, and Mendenhall? he's he's a two. He's a high-end two, I think.
2: NFL Fantasy Live, Series 210, XM87. Series XM Fantasy Sports Radio, it's Jason Smith alongside Michael Fabiano, Elliot Harrison from the NFL Network and NFL.com, 888-963-2682, 888-XM-FANTASY. We'll keep helping you set your lineup, give you trade advice. And Coming up next, we'll give you some quarterbacks. You should think about sitting down this week. You have the buys are here, you're desperate. We'll give you a big quarterback sits. Coming up next, NFL Fantasy Live, Series 210, XM87. From the NFL Network and NFL.com, it is your NFL Fantasy Live crew. Jason Smith alongside NFL.com's Elliot Harrison, NFL.com Senior Fantasy Editor Michael Fabiano. Check us out, NFL Fantasy Live on NFL Network, 2 p.m. Eastern Time, then again at midnight eastern time as well on the red zone channel sunday mornings get you ready for all your fantasy needs been taking you through some big starts the last hour plus here on the show all the quarterbacks to start this week the running backs the wide receivers to start a lot of holes people are filling this week with bye weeks but now gonna give you a couple of quarterbacks to sit and matt chubb is one of those guys and we'll start things off with michael fabiano the number one ranked start sit accuracy As far as experts go across the country, you've been aces on it all year long.
1: Fabs, you don't like Matt Schaub this week. He's one of your guys to sit. Yeah, and he was one of my guys to sit last week, too. Uh, Just the absence of Andre Johnson really hurts. And the matchup this week against the Texans on the road, they've allowed an average of under 14 fantasy points, two quarterbacks uh, per game. So I think Schaub could struggle. You know, the Falcons and the Lions could be a shootout. It really could. Uh, But I, I go with the numbers. and. As I said last week, I'm not going to sit here and tell you to sit Curtis Painter and to sit Matt Moore and to sit Christian Ponder, basically saying nothing. Uh, The the matchup, though, if you look at the numbers for Matt Ryan, is not favorable. The Lions have allowed the third fewest fantasy points to quarterbacks this year. So based on the numbers, Matt Ryan, not a favorable start. Kevin Cobb, he's averaging fewer than five fantasy points in his last two starts. Playing against the Steelers, who have not been as good against the run, but they've been really good against the pass. I'm avoiding that situation. Mark Sanchez against the Chargers. I'm sorry, Jason Smith, but oh, the Chargers okay. are allowing right around 13 fantasy points per game to quarterbacks. I don't like Sanchez. Uh, and, and Phillip Rivers, I think, is someone that if you draft, if you were able to get, say, Tim Tebow or Cam Newton, I start those guys over Rivers this week. Right now, Rivers, six, six touchdowns, seven interceptions. Could be without Vincent Jackson because of the hamstring. Uh, Gates might be back this week, might not. We don't know. And the Jets have been really good in terms of holding down quarterbacks this year. Uh, They've actually been one of the top three defenses in terms of allowing the fewest fantasy points to quarterbacks. So if you have a Tebow, if you have a Newton, if you have a viable option, maybe Phillip Rivers is on your bench this week. Because, number one, he has struggled this year. He's not been the same fantasy guy we've come to know and love over the last couple of seasons. This is a road game. West Coast team going to the East Coast. And the Jets' pass defense again, pretty stout with uh, Revis Island out there.
2: And you know the other thing too, as far as as we've seen guys now coming off the bye. Teams are rusty because now with the new rule that you can't be around, there's a four-day mandatory break that you can't be around, you can't practice. Every team coming off a bye is going to be rusty. A guy that I'm not going to sit him this week, but it's a big week for me for him, is Cam Newton. Uh, It's not a great matchup against the Redskins. The Redskins' defense is okay. It's not great, but it's not awful. But he's had two out of the last three weeks haven't been that great. If he has another down week this week, I think Cam Newton kind of becomes a matchup guy where it's you know maybe teams figure him out a little bit if he has a good matchup yeah i know because he'd get you those running points too, getting into the end zone the goal line carries but this is a
3: big week for me for cam newton right, he threw three picks against the falcons now granted one of them wasn't his fault or was was a junk play another was just a great play by the falcons defender but still three picks or three picks and fabs i totally agree philip rivers if you have a viable option uh, i think philip rivers is a sit this week It's it's hard to say that it way, is. It's, it's it's really hard to say it's, that. To yeah. yeah. That. And then Lions-Falcons, I do, you know, Jason, you talked about the, the Brown Seahawks you think could be your, your big fantasy game of the week as far as a shootout. I think it might be the Falcons-Lions myself, but I definitely like Stafford versus the Falcons better than I like Ryan versus the Lions. And I, obviously Stafford's had a better year, but I'm just talking about pure matchup. I like Stafford a lot better in that game. Yeah,
1: it, it, listen, th- these games here uh, are very scenario-driven. If... The Falcons end up with a big lead early. They're going to run the ball, and Matt Ryan's not going to see a lot of action. If the Lions jump out to a big lead, uh, Matt Ryan probably will be a good start in fantasy because he's going to have to throw the ball a ton. And those are things that you just can't predict. You really go by the numbers, and uh, you hope the matchups pan out. But a lot of situations happen like that where a game goes into a a crazy direction. It's almost like uh, when Cam Newton was throwing for 400 yards every week panthers were down in a bunch of those games and they had to throw the football and that is opportunity to produce for fantasy for fantasy owners that maybe wouldn't have been there if this was a back and forth kind of game if a team gets an early lead they're clearly abandoning the run going to the pass that's what happened last week with say ryan terrain redskins got down early were down most of the game they had to throw it unfortunately rex grossman was throwing it to the other team and they had to abandon the run. Those are sort of things that you can't predict. You just look at the numbers.
2: You know, the one thing I'll say is because I'm down on Philip Rivers through this week. In fact, in one league, I'm actually looking to hopefully start Tebow over Rivers because my my waiver period is is tonight into tomorrow. But I will say this. If Antonio Gates plays, and he did return to practice on Wednesday, if he plays, I like Rivers a lot more of course, because the Jets sure.
1: can't cover the tight end. That's the yeah. one
2: thing the pass defense can't But do. remember
1: too um, – if Vincent Jackson doesn't play, he's got the hamstring. Number one, if he does play, I think he's a really risky start. No, he'll playing, be a wide receiver, playing, a, playing a wide receiver yeah. against Revis is bad enough without being uh, not at 100% with a hamstring. Uh, he could be a risky start this week. If Jackson comes out as being active on Sunday, again, probably not a guy you can afford to bench. But don't be surprised if his numbers aren't be, aren't very good.
2: Yeah, because I, I wouldn't be surprised if they decide, you know what? We have to put him out there because we have to have Revis take somebody up. And even if Vincent Jackson is a decoy and doesn't catch any passes, there's no way you're going to take Revis off of Vincent Jackson, the great game he had against him in the playoff game a couple years ago. So at least if they decide that North Turner can say, okay, I have Vincent Jackson and Revis is going to be taken up. We're not throwing the ball to him anyway, and we're going to concentrate on throwing the ball to other places. We may get John Jefferson involved. We may get a couple of guys. Charlie Joyner may catch a couple of passes, mm-hmm. Elliot Harrison. So I think that would be a strategy, and that would be if if Antonio Gates does play. Well,
3: are we back in 1983 like again? A little bit more. Well, I, you know, I was going to say I'm disappointed in both of you. You're mentioning the Jets, Chargers, and Antonio Gates. I mean, what's a more sexy matchup than Randy McMichael and Eric Smith going at That is sexy. It? I, I mean, that is sexy. Come on, You know, back to the Falcons lines, though. If you're just joining us, we had Steve Weish, NFL.com senior writer on with us earlier, and he mentioned Brandon Pettigrew as a good play. And I have to agree with that. I wonder who on the Falcons is going to match up with him. I don't think their safeties or their linebackers are going to do a good job on Pettigrew. That said, Pettigrew gets a lot of targets. I sure would like to see him fight for the ball more. He's a guy that he has decent
1: numbers, but I think he leaves a lot of fantasy points out on the field. Yeah, Pettigrew's actually caught 18 passes and uh, had two touchdowns over the last three games. But do keep in mind that the Falcons' defense is allowing an average of under seven fantasy points per game at tight end. So maybe Pettigrew goes out there, has set six catches for 60 yards. From a tight end, that's not bad, but it's, it's not great either, so...
3: Last year, Brandon Pettigrew was targeted 111 times, third most in the league among tight ends, and he caught 71 passes. That's not a very high percentage. If you're being targeted 111 times, you should probably catch between 80 and 90 balls. Just say.
2: It's it's also it was also his first year, you know. You think that okay, he's gonna be able to build on that. You know, that's the one thing I look at it, okay, this is the first time Pettigrew was that kind of weapon, and to suddenly say, Okay, I'm gonna do that. I was hoping for a build on that this year, but now you see Matthew Stafford, he's he's looking more towards Burleson, he's looking more away. You know, it's not just Calvin Johnson now, and, and that's the big thing I take a look and say, Okay, because you know Meg- Megatron's gonna get his touches, but that's the big battle now. Is Pettigrew still gonna be that guy, or will his looks go somewhere else?
3: Do you guys like Fred Davis or Pettigrew more Davis this week? Fred Davis? Yeah. I actually, John Beck threw
2: to, threw to Fred Davis a bunch of times last week. Yeah, I like him a lot.
3: I actually have an interesting decision to make in our NFL Experts League. I have Witten and Pettigrew. And would you consider starting Pettigrew over Witten? Nope, Whitten, nope being never. Being that the Cowboys could put a lead on the Rams and start running the ball? Uh,
1: Witten's a superstar at that position, man. And I, I roll with so who— never sit him. Not unless he's hurt. Not unless the Cowboys are off, which has already happened. I agree. Yeah. I was just throwing it out. there. Yeah. The, the only guy I'm, I'm playing
2: do. over Jason Witten is Jimmy Graham. That's the only guy I'm playing over him. I mean, he's, and he's been unbelievable. He's become, I mean, come he on, has. that's an NFL record four yeah. straight hundred yard games from a preseason tight end? sleeper
1: on NFL.com, By the way.
2: Whew. And now we know that that order there in New Orleans. It's it's Jimmy Graham then Marcus Colston, mm-hmm. then
3: everybody else. It's good at least to have the pecking order, whether or not you have those guys yeah. or
2: not. But, yeah, he was a big-time sleeper at NFL.com this year.
3: But you, if you're, if we're going to talk some Saints, I like Lance Moore this week. And I've talked about Lance Moore a lot. And, and Michael, we talked about Lance Moore in our production meeting the other day. I think he's a good start this week. He, he's a
1: nice three because of the matchup, sure. NFL Fantasy
3: Live
2: Series 210XM87. Jason Smith with Michael Fabiano, Elliot Harrison. the number is 888-963-2682. That's 888 XM Fantasy coming up next. We'll give you Tim Tebow's point projection for the week and give you some big wide receiver sits for Week 7 in the NFL. It's NFL Fantasy Live on SiriusXM Fantasy Sports Radio.
3: I tell you, Jason, I like all the gratuitous guitar solos, but, you know, I ask our producer, Rob, can you just play Mean Street by Van Halen, you know, just once every week? And it's a small request. You know, it's, it's really it's not a big one, and no Van Halen today. None. It's cool. called
4: punishment
2: for taking last week off. It, it took me an hour and a half to get a Jets highlight played. I mean, come on. we got to
1: figure things out. You weren't here last week. You were gone last week. You were on The Bachelor.
2: And and,
3: and oh, now, that, you know. He,
1: he, he was, he was uh, with a few bridesmaids in Texas
3: last yeah. week, I'm sure. Hey, you know, I think Brad in Minnesota has been hanging on, waiting for us. Maybe we should take Brad.
2: All right, Brad, go ahead. What do you got? What's your question for us here on NFL FPH. Fantasy
3: Live? Hey, guys. A
4: couple
3: quick questions. Uh, my team is stacked. Darren McFadden's my starting running back for sure. Um, Christian Ponder's think, your quarterback. <laughs> Christian Ponder's my quarterback. And I've been starting uh, Cedric Benson every week, but now he's on by, and then he's out in the week after that. Um, I had Felix Jones, so I don't know if I should pick up DeMarco Murray or, start, or I could pick up Ryan Terrain, or I could also pick up Mark Ingram.
1: Wow. All these guys are available on the waiver wire. I wish I played. Are you in a six team league? Is that what's going on? Wow. I
3: I think. It's a 10 team, yeah. I think Ingram would probably be your best play there. Here's the thing with Ryan Terrain. I mean, you could go for Terrain and skip the other guys and get the highest reward because Terrain could end up having a monster game or. Biggest risk. Or he's the biggest risk and he's the highest reward. So it depends on how much you want to roll the dice and and go for it. Uh, Of Murray and Ingram. That's a tough one, too. I'd probably lean more towards Mark Ingram. I agree completely. He'll get you about 10, because Ingram, you
2: can
1: write him down for about 10 points 50 yards and a touchdown. Maybe a little bit more this week, but that's kind of where he's at. I want to be in leagues touchdown. where these guys are available on the free agent market. I mean, I go into my leagues, and DeMarco Murray's already gone. Yeah, it killed, like, the, the best guy I can look at and, you know, trying to pick up and go, boy, do, do
2: I pick up Roy Hallou or not? You know, I mean, yeah. that's kind of where it is in most of our leagues. It's tough. Uh, all right, Fabs, you got some uh, wide receiver and running back sits. To be giving us starts and sits all show long here. in, in case you haven't uh, listened to the last uh, hour plus or so, Michael Fabiano, the number one ranked percentage as far as starts and sits go as far as all the experts across the country so give me
1: some wide receiver and running back sits this week again I mentioned Vincent Jackson I'm a little bit worried about him because of the hamstring in the matchup uh, against Darrell Rivas remember the last time he actually played he was completely shut down had the hammy by Champ Bailey Santana Moss all or nothing I, I we told you to sit him last week I wouldn't play him against the Panthers you know Percy Harvin is somebody that a lot of people probably have to play as a three he's just really done very little uh, to trust him. Mike Thomas against the Ravens. Mike Williams against the Bears. And I know you're going to be mad at me, Jason, but San Antonio Holmes against the Chargers, I just do not like the matchup. Uh, he, so Holmes is coming around a little bit, but the Chargers have allowed the third fewest fantasy points to wide receivers. If we talk about running backs, I'll keep it short. And talking about short, Maurice Jones drew was a major risk this <laughs> week. Um, on Monday night against the Ravens, Here's a, here's a little stat for you. Out of the four, out of the five number one running backs they faced this year, which has been Rashard Mendenhall, uh, Chris Johnson, Cadillac Williams played against them because uh, Jackson was hurt. Sean Green and Arian Foster, five running backs, five number ones, combined twenty eight fantasy points. Not good. Wow. Uh, and the only running back to have double digits against them was Foster, and most of his yardage came as a receiver. I think more. I have to play Maurice Jones through this week. I don't have to like it. The matchup is really tough. Yeah, I'm also benching D'Angelo Williams, Sean Green, Peyton Hillis, or Monterio Hardesty, whoever plays. And don't be surprised if Steven Jackson has a bad game. The Cowboys have really been tough against running backs this year. They've allowed the the, the, the third-fewest fantasy points to opposing runners. So Steven Jackson, another guy you probably have to start. Might not put up good numbers, though, because the, the matchup is not favorable.
2: Yeah, there's a lot of running backs on by this week. You mentioned Sean Green, of course, and he he's a guy I think that – I think you start him just because of all the buys, and he's a guy that you know is going to get 20, 25 touches a game, but you don't have to like it. Here's the thing. you
1: know, it, Green's seeing the touches. He's, he's averaging eight producing. fantasy points a game. Yeah, he's not producing. Yeah.
2: But I, I think you have to handcuff him. We talked about this in NFL Fantasy Live earlier today. I think you have to go out and get Joe McKnight because the Rex Ryan's trying to look for ways to get him the football a little bit more. Uh, he, he's he's a dynamic player in the kick-return game, caught a couple of passes last week.
3: Sean Green continues to do this. You're going to see Joe McKnight take a bigger role in the offense. Two questions. In the heart of the buys, do you take eight points at the flex and just be happy with it? Yeah. I think you do. That's why. I that's why. I mean,
2: Sean Green, my flex, eight, maybe he gets in the end zone, gives me
3: 15. But 13. I think Green was yeah. drafted
1: as more of a two. Yeah. In, sure. In I'm, spot, I'm just, yeah.
3: just throwing that out there. And my second question is, if Jimmy the Greek were alive, do you think he'd still be number one at starts and sits? No, nah, he would
1: kick my butt. Jimmy the Greek? I used to love watching Jimmy, love the Jimmy the hey, Greek. I love Jimmy Brent Musburger. I mean, it was fantastic. And they have Irv, Irv Cross. Now we're dating ourselves, Harrison. A- absolutely. Brian I- Gumble when he hosted uh, the NFL pregame show, Jane Kennedy was on that. You oh,
3: bet. Gosh. But, I, I, you know, at the end of the day, I also think eight points is good in your flex spot. At least in yeah. the bye weeks, you take what you can get.
2: It's NFL Fantasy Live. Jason Smith, Michael Fabiano, Elliot Harris. Check out all our latest on the front of NFL.com, including Elliot Harrison's big power rankings. Jason Smith, Fabs, and Elliot. NFL Fantasy Live.
0: This is NFL Fantasy Live on SiriusXM. Fantasy-